0: Join Edwin Frondozo on the Business Leadership Podcast every week for a unique program featuring insights and actionable items from the world's most successful business leaders. Hear firsthand the exclusive interviews and personal journeys on how today's transformational leaders made it to the top. In the corporate world, achieving things sometimes means climbing the corporate ladder, right? And I would say to those young new leaders that, always remember what your strengths are and what and what value you bring to your organization and become a leader through that versus i just want to lead people
1: this is the business leadership podcast and i'm your host Edwin Frondosa welcome welcome back how are you doing today thank you for taking the time to join me today's episode is number 118 and my special special guest today is my friend Scott Wu, the Chief Technology Officer at Compass Digital Labs. Scott oversees the technology strategy for the company and he leads a team of world-class designers, product managers, engineers, and data scientists. Scott has more than 15 years of experience in developing the technology. First off as the lead technologist at Bell Canada. He has also spent time building an internal consulting team at Allstream that drove internal business transformation projects. One of the significant transformations that he led was in the area of demand generation in marketing and sales. In our conversation, Scott and I talk about many things, but mainly we discuss the challenges of building and scaling a startup business, which is embedded within a large organization we talk about how to maintain consistency in the process and systems when scaling up. And lastly, Scott shares the exciting future of technology within the food space. Today's podcast is brought to you by True Shield Insurance, Canada's most trusted insurer for entrepreneurs and small businesses. Thank you to those who have taken the time to subscribe, rate, and also leave a comment. I really appreciate it. This latest one is from D-Rock which was left on Apple Podcast and they write insightful, genuine and ask questions that I'm thinking of I love this podcast. Thank you very much D-Rock. I really appreciate your time. So when you subscribe, rate and leave a review, I will read it out on an upcoming episode. Now here we go. Welcome to the Business Leadership Podcast, Scott. Thanks, Edwin. How are you doing? Well, I'm doing good. Well, uh, thank you for taking the time to join me. I know you and I, for the listeners out there, uh, me and Scott have known each other for a while now, and we've been trying to get you on the podcast for a while now, so I really appreciate um, your time today, Scott.
0: Yeah, no, thanks. I mean, we it, it has been a while. We saw each other at the uh, startup Toronto Startup event last summer. And then we saw each other at a CIO event this year too, right? So
1: yeah, no. So this is great. So I'm super excited to to really really talk about you and your experience. But Scott, before before jumping in, I'd love it if you could introduce yourself to our listeners today. Tell us tell us who you are. Who is Scott when he's not leading or scaling businesses?
0: <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm Scott Wu. I uh, if I had to describe myself, I, I'm an engineer. I went to school for engineering um and i'm a sports fanatic i love basketball go raptors we just won the championship uh, and i'm also a, an avid tennis player so i used to compete uh in at the juniors level in tennis uh, and i still play tennis today it's good for exercise and i play in a men's league in, in toronto so keep the competitive juices going still
1: so uh, that's awesome how often do you get out playing
0: uh, the, the men's league is once a week and then I try to get out at least once a week to practice as well so I'm not I'm not grinding out there
1: <laughs> <laughs> I'm, su- I'm sure you're competitive too so that's why you're trying to get that practice in right yeah yeah <laughs> great so Scott why don't we jump into your company your current role at compass digital labs if you could share with us your current role your responsibilities and maybe just touch upon some of your Current goals that you're looking to accomplish over the next uh, little while.
0: Yeah, so I'm the chief technology officer at Compass Digital Labs. Uh, you know, we are part of 28 companies. Our parent company is Compass Group. Um, we do food hospitality. We're roughly 19 billion in size uh, in North America. Uh, we do food service in stadiums. So if you you know look at you know the Chicago Bull United Center, um, LA. You know, LA Staple Center. Um, that's all done by one of our subsidiaries. You know, it's called uh, Levy's. Uh, you know, we do food at universities. So you know, we have like you know, Northwestern, Northeastern, uh, McGill in Canada. We, we we're running about 800 hospitals in food service. I can kind of go on and on. We also have, we also own another company called uh, Puck Catering. So Wolfgang Puck. So we do. The Oscars, the Golden Globes, Country Music Awards, US Open. In Europe, we actually do Wimbledon. So, anyways, everyone eats. So, we're in every vertical you can think of uh, in terms of food. And there's there's 28 companies under Compass Group um, that we sell to the different verticals. It's a very uh decentralized company because you know the parent company really wants the to keep the entrepreneur uh mentality. Uh, in everyone. And that's why there's 28 companies really chasing after um, the business. And Encompass Digital Labs was formed three years ago. Uh, and, you know, our mandate is really, how do we continue to help all the different companies drive better experiences um, in the food hospitality space? They do an amazing job already. Uh, they make, you know, great food, we spend almost anywhere between 500 million to a billion a year in construction of the spaces. So, you know, when we win an account, you know, we'll spend a, you know a couple million to renovate and build up the spaces. So, our traditional business does a great job in terms of driving great experiences with food and physical spaces. So, Compass Digital Lab is there to drive continue that experience or enhance that experience through uh, through technology and you know specifically you know digital solutions. And so that's really what Composition Labs is here for. Uh, in the past four years, um, you know, we were formed three years ago. But before we were formed, uh, we already start supporting the, the parent businesses. And uh, I think over the last three years, we, we basically supported around a billion dollars uh, in sales bid a year. So, you know, over the span of CDL's life, um, you know, we support, supported over three billion dollars in sales bids, and you know, and we usually win about eighty five percent of the sales bids right now. So. Uh, so that's really our mandate drive better experiences and help help our organization continue to grow grow its business
1: I mean th- thank you for sharing and I know from my knowledge of uh, compass digital Labs, your organization um, outside looking in um, you're literally like a startup within this breadth of a of a pretty big organization a big company can you talk to me about that experience and maybe how it differs from other, startups that maybe are even your competitors at this point, right? Um, whether it's uh, advantages or disadvantages from from your point of view.
0: Yeah. So, I mean, it's, you know, there are a lot of, I guess, labs within large companies. Um, you know, the unique part for us is that, uh, you know, Compass Group is decentralized and it has 28 other companies um, that it's, you know, that it sells through today. And so when CDL was spun up, it really was treated like a startup the parent company acted as, you know, the the investor, the VC. And there were, there were three of us that, that started this organization three years ago. Um, And like any startup, we went through startup challenges, which is trying to figure out, you know, what product are we trying to build and how, you know, what problems are we trying to solve? And how do we drive, you know, how do we attract customers onto our products uh, and drive adoption and engagement? Um, And so those things are all very familiar to startups. Uh, You know, how do you, How do you build a lot with the limited funding that you have? Because even though this company was very supportive of of us at the beginning, there were only three of us, you know, and then shortly after there there were 10 of us. So how do you do a lot with, you know, with with very little um, was really at the beginning. And then um, after that, it was really about how do you you start scaling, right? Uh, Actually, if I take a step back, you know, I guess one of the differences too about being a startup in a large corporation is... There are a lot of simil- similarities as other startups, meaning, you know, the things that I just talked about, which is, you know, building the right products and attracting users. Um, but the challenging piece is, is that um, you're embedded in this large organization um, that already has customers, that are, mm-hmm. is already winning um, business and has a specific culture. Uh, and then how do you align yourself with those companies um, and, you know, with their business priorities while you're building out your own business priorities, like if you're an outside startup, um, you know your mandate is really about making sure your product successful and getting a lot of users or a lot of you know sales into into your organization. With us, we had to have that focus while still being aligned with with all the other 28 companies. So that that was a little bit of a unique challenge for us,
1: right? And and talk to me how I mean you're mentioning now you're focusing on scaling. So you started like any startup three three founders for example quote-unquote founders whether, whether it looks like that or not on the on the on the partnership paper is a different story but like how large are you now in terms of uh, resources or, or headcount now
0: uh, yeah so I mean you know we're I don't want to say the exact number because we're still growing yeah uh, but yeah I mean we we're over a hundred people now right Wow um, and uh, we have two offices actually where you know we are we're in Toronto and uh, we're in Charlotte, and we have small pockets of people in uh, in Atlanta, in New York, uh, and then in the San Francisco area as well. Uh, and you know, we are we are treated very much like a startup in the in the parent organization. Um, we still say we're, there's two leaders right now; they're two founders. One of our other founders, uh, leaders, you know, went to MLSC,
1: mm-hmm.
0: um, but right Funny now,
1: enough. yeah, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> Yeah, Hamza, I had him in the past here as yeah.
0: well. Yeah, we're still very much connected. I mean, we're still very much in the same industry. He's in the entertainment industry, driving digital, uh, and we're obviously in the food hospitality industry. So, mm-hmm. so Javir, who's the chief digital officer, I'm the chief technology officer. You know, when we meet other startups, we we always address ourselves as the two founders of this organization uh, within this enterprise company. You know, we're the co-leaders of this organization, which is very. You know, I would like to say it's very progressive of our parent company because we're the only out of the twenty-eight companies. We're the only uh, organization that has two co-leaders, um, and the reason is because they really believe in this startup culture uh, that that we've built so far.
1: That's 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 really cool, and I, and like you mentioned, it's pretty innovative in terms of uh, in terms of these big parent company. I mean, you mentioned it was the, the revenue is like nineteen billion dollars, so like to even like think differently on that small scale must must have a lot of trust from the leaders in that organization right
0: i think i think there's definitely a lot of trust you know trust is trust is built over you know its consistency over time right so we've been we've been doing this for 3 4 years now we've been showing at the end of the day is is what your your output is and what your delivery is right and so mm-hmm. um, i think the trust is there because we've been we've been delivering back to the business for the past few years right so
1: no that's great and one last thing, and sometimes this is the challenge from not only probably yours but also other startups. Uh, when startups are super nimble as they're a small team, they're very innovative. But when they start scaling, you know, implementing systems or processes within their organization, um sometimes the innovation could take a backseat to to scaling. Can you talk to us about, that challenges and and how you're looking to improve or at least find the balance between the two.
0: Yeah, I mean that's a that's a very good point, Edwin. Um, you know, I would say the first year, year and a half of our organization, you know, as a startup, we were trying to, we you know, one of our main products is our, our mobile app where we do mobile order, mobile pay for a lot of a lot of our um, locations and and we also do food delivery. So you know, at the beginning. You know, you hear the process. You have you know designers or researchers or engineers going out there to really trying to figure out what the you know the problem we're trying to solve. Where, and how do you delight or or surprise um, you know your customers? Internally, we like to say, uh, how do you create this magical moment um, mm-hmm. for your consumers, and that's why they want to engage with you, right? So you know, a lot of the time at the beginning was trying to figure that out, try to understand your your customers, and then building out solutions. And then, you know, you always hear the story, stay agile. So you build a solution, test it with your users and then kind of iterate your solution. So I would say the first year and a half was really about that. And then as soon as we start getting traction on our products, then the demands start coming where we're now asked to, to scale to like hundreds of locations. Um, mm-hmm. and so that, that became a totally different focus and challenge for us as a, you know, as leaders. Um, as a leader now, instead of focusing on making sure we're, you know, building the right products or building the right features. All of a sudden now it's like, well, wait, how do we bring our products up to 200 locations in the next three months and make, and make sure that the, you know, the quality is still there. The experience is still there. Um, because now sometimes the experience is now not actually caused by the product you built. It's caused by, you know, the process of rolling it out. Are the people that you're rolling out to, do they know how to, how to operate it? How to leverage it? So it's all those things that we all of a sudden have to worry about hiring a lot of people at a short amount of time, making sure you're still, you know, maintaining, you know, your DNA of your organization as you, you know what I mean? Like it, I would say it took, it took us X amount of time to get to one X of our company. And then to get to two times the size of our company, it was within less than half of the original time to get to one X, right? So you, at some point we had more new people than, than the original people in our company. So how do you keep the culture and DNA uh, and making sure you're still hiring all those right people? So all of a sudden, you're, you're really focused energy. on that, right? So I would say the last year was growing the people, hiring people at the, all the different locations, building out all the process. Things that you don't normally talk about as a, as a startup, startup is all about innovation. As you start scaling, you start using terms like, we need frameworks, we need process, because when you don't have process, things aren't repeatable. When you're, when your company is small and yet there's 10 people, you don't need process to make sure things are repeatable because you're very connected to everyone on your team. There's only 10 of you. But also when you, when there's 80 of you or 90 of you and people are going to multiple locations to roll out your products. And if you don't have a process, that means everyone's doing things differently. Everyone means well, but then you just can't have that consistency of quality, right? So, so the last year has really been about that. It's about building all the processes, frameworks training materials to make sure when we're new staff you know we can train them onboard them very quickly so that they can be as effective as possible and then you know to your original question you know when you start scaling like how do you how do you stay innovative and that that becomes like a, a lot of problems for large organization because all of a sudden the, the problems that you're trying to tackle is no longer really about like the amount of time that you have to tackle problems not about innovation is now it's all about the day-to-day issues and the day-to-day fires right? So, so I think the last, you know, I would say this 2019 has been about getting back to making sure the company stays innovative. Um, and, you know, the way we've done that right now is obviously be, is first being able to scale very, very well, meaning you have all the right people in the right processes means you have you can now spend you can gain some of that time back to look at innovation. Right. Some of your resources can now focus its time back on innovation. So I would say to you, still 70% of our investment and resources are, are on our current products and scaling them out. And then about 30% of our, you know, resources and, and, and investment is on on new things. So, and, you know, the way we've chosen to do that is, um, like any is continue the startup culture. So we don't, we don't have a dedicated team for, for innovation, which, uh, you know, in my previous organization, we used to do. Um, the the reason why we did that is because we want to make sure everyone in our organization has input to innovation. It's not just this dedicated group of people that will drive new innovative ideas, right? Um, and so the way we've done it is, you know, innovation and new ideas can come from very many different ways. It can come from, you know, research, it could come from our clients, our customers, you know, telling us, there's a problem somewhere and that sparks an idea for us. Mm-hmm. And sometimes we, it also comes from just technology trends, right? Like someone invented something new and awesome. There's these new capabilities that, that can solve problems that we can't solve before. And, and so that innovation can come through that way too. And so as these ideas come through the organization, people will start making pitches like any startup. They will pitch to us at the executive level and say, hey, uh, I have this cool idea. Uh, I need two people. For three months, let's say, and I want to do these things, and I need X amount of dollars. And here is what I think the benefit would be. Uh, and then we will give them what we call seed funding. We know we'll fund them, uh, and then it's up to them to use that use that investment to prove out their idea. And if they can't prove out the idea, then obviously you know that that concept or the idea has failed. But if 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 it becomes something successful now, like any startup, uh, it's like many startups within our organization, right? We will now fund them for their next phase. You know, so we'll say, here's your next phase of, you know, phase one funding or, you know, in startup world, that's your series A funding, right? So mm-hmm. so we kind of have that same methodology um, as our company grew. That's how we started when we were three people. Um, now that we have more people, we're just trying to make sure uh, that framework is still there. Um, but because we have more people, the idea should be we just have more innovation because there's more people coming up with new ideas, right? So... <laughs>
1: Hey there, how are you? Enjoying this episode with Scott Wu. But before getting back to it, I'd like to take this time to say thanks to today's episode sponsor, True Shield Insurance, Canada's most trusted insurer for entrepreneurs and small businesses. True Shield not only will help educate you on the risks of your business, but also provide unique solutions, including the ability to purchase your insurance directly online. Simply go to trueshield.ca, answer a few questions, and get a quote which you can purchase. Let TruShield help protect what you've been working so hard to build. Now, let's get back to the conversation that I'm having with Scott. I want to just change gears a bit as, as when I look at your career, you... You've led multiple teams in different organizations. Can you share with us some, um, maybe a difficult decision that you had to make that eventually, looking back, it eventually allowed you to grow as a business leader?
0: Yeah, I, I mean, every leader has their strengths and weaknesses, right? So, you know, obviously my background is engineering. Um, so my strength has always been on technology and um you know, I love to build new things. I love to solve problems, right? Like at the, at the end of the day, engineering is about solving problems. Um, one of the challenges I guess I went through, you know, over the years is okay, actually, you know what? I'll just talk about Compass Digital Labs. Mm-hmm. When we first started, um, like any small organization, no one knows who you are, right? So, um, so it was very difficult to attract talent. So, you know, we had, you know, we had to spend a lot of time you know, presenting, you know, networking, getting our brand out there to attract people. And, and we would call it, you know, the phase one of the company's talent, right? And we are very thankful for these people because they helped us build a lot of products that we have, um, and, and helped us get to where we need to get to today. But the challenge, I think that some of the tough decisions that we, that I had to personally make was that while those talent was, was really amazing and helped us get to where we needed to get to, um, they were, I guess, uh, there were some limitations in some of this talent, right? Mm-hmm. And as we grew, we needed other people with uh, other skill set. So sometimes it's, it's it's hard to make that call to say, when do you need to bring in someone else to help us out, right? Because one, you're very loyal to your current folks um, and you want to give everyone the opportunity to keep doing new things and, and grow. But sometimes you have to make the decision to say, hey, you know what? We don't have that capability right now, even though we think we do. I think if we bring in someone that really has that capability, we, it will really accelerate what we do. Right. And so that, that to me, you know, was a little bit challenging at the beginning because it means, you know, either some people, you know, decide to leave the company because they really wanted that opportunity. Uh, but we had to make a tough decision to say, Hey, we want to bring someone else that, that can really help us to do that. Um, and so that, that was challenging at the beginning.
1: Yeah. And it sounds like, and I I hear this a lot from whether they're the business executive or an entrepreneur is really understanding. And what what I heard you say was understanding what your strengths are. Um, And the challenges is knowing that and knowing when to bring people in uh, almost as fast as you realize that missing uh, um, attribute that you need, right? Um, I'm wondering as, as, and I was just thinking about this, Scott, as you're company is scaling now and you're obviously looking to grow and build either leaders in-house or bringing leaders in I'd love it if you could share some insight into what you would tell someone who's going into their first management role or a leadership role like what tips would you give them or what what tips would you give Scott going into his first leadership role
0: yeah so I you know actually I it's really a good question because sometimes when we meet with people you know and we say hey what are, you know where where are your career goals or what do you want to do in 2 3 years and there will be people that will say hey like i really want to i see myself leading you know um, ai or mm-hmm. I w- i'm really interested in uh you know mobile technologies and 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 those are really good answers but sometimes we also get answers where people will say i really want to manage people Or I really want to lead people. Mm -hmm. And, and the feedback we always give is that you should always figure out where you want to be in your career, meaning like how, how, how do you be passionate in your, in what you do? Meaning like your goal should never be, I want to lead 10 people because your goal should be, I want to solve an issue uh, or I want to, I really want to become an AI expert to solve, you know, this problem because That if if you're passionate about that, I think leading people would would come naturally Mm -hmm. because if you know what problems you're trying to solve as as a technology leader, anyways, right? I think I think because it's hard for you someone to just be passionate about. I guess the the answer is like you gotta be passionate about what you do, right? Because I think it's hard to be for someone to say I'm passionate about leading five people, but you do definitely hear someone say I am so passionate about artificial intelligence, and I have a team of five people that helps me solve problem X, Y, and Z. Right. So I think, you know, for new leaders, because, you know, a lot of leaders are all type A personality. You know, they all want to achieve things. And especially in the corporate world, achieving things sometimes means climbing the corporate ladder. Right. And I would say to those young new leaders that always remember what your strengths are and what and what value you bring to your organization and become a leader through that versus I just want to lead people. I don't know if that makes sense, Edwin.
1: No, I love that. I mean, it's and from what from what what I'm hearing is is really become that subject matter expert. Be passionate about the topic you're in, or be the best person you are in terms of the role that you're you're in, and then people will follow you um, naturally. and And that's what I'm hearing for. And I guess uh, to continue along that line, Scott, I'm wondering as Maybe you've grown and been passionate in technology um, and you found yourself in these type of leadership roles. I'm wondering, what are the type of things that you did to either retool yourself or upskill yourself to continually to grow and become that effective business leader? Because as you said, you didn't, maybe you didn't go into it saying, I want to be a good business leader, but now you're a business leader and pretty successful at it. So I'm wondering, you know, what advice can you give in terms of what you've done to grow?
0: Yeah, I, I think I think one is just study other leaders, right? And really, and not just study one, but like look at a lot of leaders around that, um, and not necessarily only in your industry, and in, you know, in very many different industries, and see what you like about them, and then you know, f- you know, not not to say copy them, but figure out what works for them that will work for you, uh, is is a really good way, you know. So for me, you know, like obviously in the technology side, like you know you know, the Microsoft CEO, uh, you know, when he came in, really, you know, thought highly of him because he was able to take this really, you know, previously very successful organization, but, you know, in the technology world anyways, thought that it's starting to stagnate. Um, And he found ways, you know, to make his people excited about the company again, excited about the work again. Um, And he's a very compassionate and empathetic leader, um, versus the previous leader, which was very much, uh, results driven specifically only, but not, not as, uh, empathetic. And so it was interesting to see, you know, that leader come in with a totally different style, uh, and basically re, re, like, invigorate, invigorate, um, the organization. Uh, but then you also look at leader, you know, I also looked at leaders from, from totally different industry, um, and, and really learn from them and then basically start emulating them and figure out what works for me, right?
1: No, that's great. I really appreciate that, and, and it's also, and what I what I tell a lot of people, sometimes you know, young professionals, like I can't, you know, find that mentor, um, but I always say you don't have to know these people personally. You could read about them, study about them, read biographies, right, and and learn what what moved them or what was their passions. Um, I wanted to. Just really touch upon because you and I both share like that passion. I'm I'm both I'm a computer engineer as well, background um, in technology, and really talk about some of the changes or innovations that's not only happening within the technology services world, but also internally um, with uh, like like artificial intelligence. I'm wondering. You know, how you are preparing or even thinking about how you lead the new generation of the next generation of the workforce with all these enablements in-house.
0: Yes, yeah, so, I mean, you know, artificial intelligence is the, I think it'll be the buzzword for us for the next, at least next two, three, four years, right? Just like a couple of years ago, big data, you know, was the big buzzword. Um so I mean, artificial intelligence is is obviously a, a huge focus area for Compass Digital Labs. We have a data science team. Um, I think you know the trends that we're seeing right now, obviously, is just like any business should be leveraging their, their data um, to help make better business decisions, right? Uh, and for us, that could mean you know something trivial like how do you manage your labor better? Like we have two hundred fifty thousand employees. Um, in the United States, uh, and then another 30,000 employees in Canada. That's nice. Uh, so, yeah, so it's a lot, you know, that's a, and, you know, and we're growing at about a billion a year. So, you know, in two, three years, we're looking at, you know, three, 300,000 to 350,000 employees, right? Mm-hmm. So at that, at that scale, like, how do you leverage your, your data to make sure you have the right employees, um, you're scheduling them, you're placing them in the right places, um, you know, to really help aid your management folks so that you know, a lot of times these decisions right now are, are done manually, right? So, and even sorry, even with digital system, it's still done manually. But how do we use AI to really help um, help automate some of these things, right? So that that obviously is a you know potential area. The other areas is just really you know things that you're it's more retail oriented, meaning like you know recommendation engines to make sure our consumers are getting all the recommended products and suggestions to them. Um, Right. But I think the other areas that, you know, my team is really looking at right now is that, you know, when you when you hear the terms AI, you know, it's still very new. Right. Like we're, we're a couple of years, you know, into this into this area right now. So, you know, you'll hear things a lot right now where people will say, you know, in order to be very effective in AI, you need to have a lot of data. Right. right. Which is very true. You know, people will say, hey, you know, having a very, you know, sophisticated AI algorithm is not as important as having the volumes of data. And that's why there's a lot of people saying that China, you know, China will be a big player in AI because the number of people that they have will help generate a lot of data, so that they can train, you know, train their AI algorithms, right? But if if that's the only way AI will be successful, then that means AI can only be leveraged in government or large companies because these are the only places that will have large amount of data, right? So I'll give you an example: mm-hmm. if, if we If we want to leverage AI right now, for example, to to do quality assurance for our food, Um, meaning like we want to make sure uh, instead of having a human person inspect that the food looks good before we roll it out, Mm -hmm. you know, we we have a camera that, you know, an AI that watches it, Uh, we need to train it, right? We need to write an algorithm to do that. But if we use the, um, the idea that you need a lot of data, then we would never have a great algorithm because... Yeah, our business—the intent of our business is always to make great food. So we don't have a lot of scenarios where we have, you know, food bad food. Right. So that means I don't. That means I don't <laughs> have a lot of data to train the AI to detect bad food, right? right? So so then how do I how do I build an AI algorithm now that can, can do that? So I think for us and probably the trend for for AI, you know, in the industry in general is like how do you now build like these smart AI, you know, systems um, that doesn't have access to like volumes and volumes of data, but can use the data that it has and, you know, some sort of inference, um, you know, to make the right decision. Right. So that, that's an area for us that we're really focused on right now.
1: I mean, that and that's really interesting. I really appreciate sharing that very specific example. I mean, it's, it's even what I think about, um, a lot in terms of what, you know, just in discussions with other business leaders and, and the trends and everything going, um, I know. I know. We're rolling along in this conversation, and it's going. It's going amazing. This Scott, you and I could probably talk forever. But I wanted to, before we slowly wrap up, I'm always fascinated to know what my guests uh, are currently doing in their lives. Um, so, if you could share uh, with us maybe some type of new system or hack that you've recently implemented, it's either personally or within the business that that has helped you um, significantly. Uh <laughs> Something
0: that I mean, you know, I guess I will just stay in the, you know, in the same vein of artificial intelligence. Um, you know, for us recently, in, like internally, we used to have to do really mundane things like, like categorizing, um, you know, our products uh, and categorizing. I don't know, like we have you know thousands and thousands of SKUs, right? So you can just imagine people. We have like tons of people that would just data entry, basically. Yes. Um, so, this, is not, this was not the intention of our, of our data science team, but basically, as we were building out tools and, and our own data scientists had to, like, label, and, yeah. and, and label all these products, um, yeah, over basically a weekend, these guys, you know, built a self-learning uh, algorithm um, to start labeling all these products based on the name, based on, like, what it looks like. Um, so, that has been, you know, it's not used anywhere else outside of CDL. Um, but it's something that has really brought, um, you know, made the work a lot easier for our, for our own employees, right?
1: Well, I love that hack <laughs> in terms of like just making everyone more efficient and who knows how the hours that you're saving at this point. Yeah. <laughs> um, fun question, Scott, if I were to ask any of your team members, current or past colleagues, peers, what's the best leadership quality that you possess? What do you think they would say?
0: I, I hope, I hope they say um, I'm very passionate at what I do because I think that just rubs off. Like there's a, obviously, there's a lot of other leadership qualities I hope that I possess, but mm-hmm. I think a lot of people work here because I am very passionate about what I do. I'm, you know, I'm in here every day because I, I truly enjoy it. Um, and I, that rubs off. I think that rubs off to, to my team, right? And, and then they as leaders also are very passionate at what they do. And in turn, that rubs off to their teams as well.
1: That's great. So, what else is going on in your world? Do you have any other projects, initiatives, or anything personal or fun that you are super excited about? Maybe, maybe losing sleep on. Uh, I mean,
0: I don't want to talk about too many things within within the company because some of the stuff is you know we're, we're working on right now and it's not out in the market yet. But um, I would just say, in terms of our food industry, the, the exciting part is. Like, if you look at the amount of investments in the food industry and in technology, it's been growing exponentially. Like, I don't know if you know the stat, like, just 10 years ago, um, you know, like 2009, uh, the amount of VC investment in technology in the food space was about 50 million, I think. Wow. Um, last year alone in the, and so, and this is in the United States and, and in North America. Last year alone, $3.5 billion was invested, um, in just a couple of delivery startups. So, Postmates, DoorDash, um, you know, like DoorDash, I think already raised a billion dollars um, in funding. So there's just a lot of money in in technology and in food space. Um, so that's definitely. One is exciting for us, um, being in the food, you know, technology and food space. But the other thing is, there's just it also means it keeps us on our toes, right? Because um, everyone's starting to realize now that the food space is a huge market. Everyone eats, right? People eat two, three meals a day everywhere. It doesn't matter which vertical you're in or doesn't matter where you live. Everyone has to eat. Uh, and so there's just a lot of money placed there. And I would say this past year and a half, just a lot of focus on delivery. So you'll see like, you know, Amazon just released their, their drone, their new drone delivery vehicle. Right. And right. Um, you know, DoorDash, you know, or Postmates have their robotics autonomous delivery. So there's just a lot of focus there. So for us is really trying to understand how does delivery, you know, how does delivery really work in our, in our space? Right.
1: No, that's great. And before we end Scott, can you share any final thoughts, observations, ideally some type of actionable item that you could share with the growing business leader who is listening today? Um, I think, I think it's just,
0: you know, finding the right people. You know, it seems very obvious, but you know, we, you know, since the Raptors won, (laughs) just use a sports, sports analogy, right? Like if you look at sports teams, it's, it's always about getting the right players on your team, either through drafting. So, you know, drafting new players. So make sure you have a great, you know, bench program to hire new young talent into your company. Uh, you know, sports team trade players. So, you know, fortunately we don't, we don't trade, play, trade employees, but sometimes it's, you know, like I said to you, like, so the toughest decision as a leader sometimes is, is also making sure, you know, the wrong people or the, you know, the people that are not in the right fit or are, are not in your organization, right? So, Uh, and then making those decisions very quickly because no one likes, you know, these are tough decisions. uh, So make it quickly and, uh, you know, don't let it affect your organization, right?
1: That's great. Scott, really appreciate your time today. Can you tell us where we can find more information about you, Compass Digital Labs, or anything else you'd want to share today?
0: Yeah, I mean, Compass Digital Labs website is just compassdigital.io. You can just find me on LinkedIn. um, That's just Scott Wu. Uh, I also have uh, on Instagram as well, which is just Scott, uh, Scott Wu underscore CDL. Uh, So you can find me in those places.
1: Scott, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you for joining us on the Business Leadership Podcast.
0: Thanks, Edwin. It's nice chatting.
1: That's it, Biz Leaders. Thank you for taking the time to join me on the Business Leadership Podcast. This was episode 118. With Scott Wu. If you want to learn more about Scott, Compass Digital Labs, or anything else that we discuss, please go to thebusinessleadership.com slash 118. Join me on my private Facebook group where I will discuss this episode, answer your questions, and connect you with other like-minded business leaders. Simply search for The Business Leadership Group directly in Facebook and lastly, thank you to today's sponsor, True Shield Insurance, Canada's most trusted insurer for entrepreneurs and small businesses. If you haven't done so yet, please subscribe, rate, and leave a comment on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening today. Thank you again. Edwin signing off. Thank you for listening to the Business Leadership Podcast at thebusinessleadership.com.